Sports is no longer just about the game itself. To be a success and to find fulfillment in the game, it takes more. The mental, relational, and cultural component has become more of a focus. An athlete has to be trained in a holistic manner to reach their potential. Training the Complete Athlete provides a wide variety of interviews, podcasts for coaches, parents, and athletes to gain insight to reach a higher level of performance. So I'm excited to welcome my guests today, and yes, we are kind of a one-minded family. Uh, I'd like to welcome Matt Kozderka, and yes, there is a coincidence that we uh, both have the same last name, so he's my older brother. He is the original cause that uh, I followed being cause after you know we got to middle school, and then ironically, I started coaching first because he was playing through the minor leagues um, in the Texas organization, and then I left coaching, and now he is Coach Cause at Lewis and Clark. And so I always say that we tortured our sister only talking about baseball all growing up, and now she's the one talking about baseball at the dinner table, and you and I probably want nothing to do about talking about those things. So, um, so Matt, uh, Lewis and Clark, you, this is your third season or fourth season? Fourth season. Fourth season. As I say, COVID season's always, you know, it's yes, it's a season, but it's a whole different can of worms. So, um, one thing that that has always been important to you, Matt, in talking um, is what role coaches play. And so, I'm really excited to talk to you about that of how impactful coaches can be. So, I'm uh, I'm really interested to start this conversation. Great, happy to be here. So in the world, uh, you know, in the world of influences on on young kids, even and college kids, I always say that parents um, are one and two and coaches are probably the third biggest influence. Sometimes they might be even number one for, for some kids. And that's a lot of um, power, <laughs> pressure. And I, I always look at it as kind of a gift that coaches have. So when you look at your role as a coach, what is the main role that you feel that you play for your your student athletes? It's a good question. Obviously, uh, you know, in my past, I've had good coaches and, and coaches that maybe weren't as, as quality as others. And some have had good influences and some haven't. So when I got into coaching, I knew I wanted to try to affect kids' lives in a positive manner. And so I, I kind of look at myself as a life coach who uses baseball because that's what I know. Um, but really, you know, in the end, I know that my career will be judged on my wins and losses as a coach. But, um, you know, and, and the, the very end of my life, I'll be judged on you know, what kind of person was I and, and how many great people did I help create? Um, and so that's really what I look at as a coach is that, you know, I, I want to make sure that I'm trying to help them become the best baseball player they can be, but I'm also trying to help them be the best person they can be because, you know, it's, it's going to end for everybody. It ended for me. Luckily, I got to play professionally for a couple of years and, and uh, I, I still get to do this as a coach, but uh, we want to make sure that our kids are prepared for the next 40, 50 years of their life and, you know, not just the time they're here at, the, at Lewis Clark. And so, um, you know, it's, it's a big responsibility, like you said, uh, but it's a, it's a task that I wouldn't want to do anything else. Well, and it's interesting because, you know, I, I'm coaching little guys now, coaching little, little League Baseball. And, you know, that young age is so um, influential of what they see in themselves, even what they see in a sport if they want to continue. And I always laugh at my guys because, you know, they, they watch SportsCenter and they want to just be those guys. And when I'm sitting here talking about we don't run up the score we don't behave this way. This is what we are looking for. They're looking at me like, well, then what am I here for, right? And so it is important to use this sport, which I would say baseball, baseball, softball are kind of interesting sports, but it's our catalyst to really influence kids. Um, and I think sometimes that gets lost in the shuffle and wins and losses or contracts or I'm going to be, be on a scholarship, even talking to you know 10-year-olds, we get lost in, in, in the weeds instead of focusing on what this can do to really improve um, a student athlete. Sure. I, I, it's, it's tough being a, a coach full-time because you are 
you know, in the middle of a win and a loss every day. So, and that's kind of how you have to judge things. But I think you have to really keep a 30,000 foot view and, and realize that, you know, you're trying to win games. Sure. But you really, there's more happening at that time. And I think lots of times people get stuck in the competition and they, uh, we talk to our guys a lot about not judging your self-worth based on a scoreboard. Um, and a lot of, a lot of people get into that. They think, Hey, I'm a winner or a loser because I won the game or lost the game. Um, and they let that totally change their personalities. And we don't want that to happen. We want it to be meaningful. You know, you should never like to lose. You want to be the best. You know, that's part of the deal. But that's more about being the best you can be than just trying to, you know, win every single game. Um, and, and there's lots of lessons that we learned in losing. You know, obviously we've struggled as a program, you know, for the last four years. You know, and that's something we have to continue to get better at. But um, if, if you're a coach, you really can help steer the narrative there. Um, and if you're always really focusing on teaching the life lessons that happen, whether you win or lose, um, then I think you're doing your job. But I think a lot of people maybe get stuck in, like you said, trying to focus just on the wins and they, and they miss out on the teachable moments and, and, and coaching younger kids like you are. I mean, obviously I have younger uh, kids myself. And so um, it's obviously a great time to really kind of help steer them in the way that things should be done. Um, you know, and then when they get to my level at the college level, they're kind of past that uh, growing stage and puppeting of what their parents and coaches told them. And now they're kind of anti-authority and they want to figure out how to do it themselves. So again, it's another opportunity to, to change or even reinforce some of the things. Hopefully they've had some good things in the past, but if not, then I really want to help steer them, not tell them how to do things, but give them the opportunity to really kind of learn on what they should do uh, and who they should be as adults, which they're going to spend most of their lives being. And I think that's why it's crucial at all ages to really celebrate things like the intangibles, right? Like we had a kiddo um, that really struggled baseball. It was really hard for him. He was kind of scared of the ball. And the opposite pitcher, like, kind of threw around him. And he gave him the best opportunity to have a quality at bat. So, And I look at it as, as he was giving uh, an opponent a good experience to not be terrified of baseball but enjoy baseball. You know, and those are the things that need to be celebrated. Even when kids say, thank you, coach, at the end of practice, I, you know, I always think, hey, bud, I appreciate that. And pointing those things out so they do become habit and they realize that um, those behaviors, those choices, those interactions are just as important as, hey, I went two for three today. And I think that is crucial, you know. Um, I mean, I, I work in schools and you worked in schools for a long time. And so you don't see that stuff in schools either. So if we can if we can implement it when they're uh, playing sports, that's going to be super important. So so you talked about having positive coaches and negative coaches. We, we all have had we've had that coach that is on a pedestal for us. And we have a coach that we don't even want to talk about or think about anymore, probably. So talk to me about some of your experiences that have been hard with coaches and maybe some of the negative effects that it's had or maybe some of the learning experiences. Also, I think so often we take it that coach, you know, had to think for out for me instead of what could I learn from that negative experience? Yeah, you know, I've, uh, I've had, like I said, a combination of both. Some people that were very positive, some people that were more on the negative side, not just necessarily negative towards me, but just negative in their reactions and setting the example that probably shouldn't be followed. Um, you know, and obviously when uh, uh, in my history, when I was a sophomore in high school, uh, you know, I played at a, a high school that was big time football. It was almost like, you know, the, the ultimate thing in, the, in our city. and Varsity Blues. Uh, yeah, it was just like that, you know, and, and, uh, you know, I was a sophomore, I was on the JV and varsity team and the coach played me too many quarters twice and we had to forfeit two games and we ended up missing the playoffs with probably the best team in the state. And, uh, that was probably one of the most uh, dramatic moments in my life and really shaped me for a long time, to be honest with you. Like I had a hard time trusting adults after that, um, you know, because of that situation. A lot of people blame me for the situation, even though I had nothing to really do with it besides just being the guy with just doing what I was told and, you know, nobody ever really checked on me. Um, and so that was very tough. Um, and that made me probably resent my coaches a little bit. It made me re really kind of withdraw. I've, I've always been kind of introverted in, in by nature, but uh, I think that made me kind of withdraw from a lot of other things. And it took me a long time to really kind of get over that, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. You know, I tried to act tough and like, you know, it didn't really bother me, but 
you know, even, even nowadays I think about those things and, you know, there's probably some still effects from that um, where maybe I don't always trust people. Maybe I want to be a little bit more withdrawn um, just because of that whole situation. So it can really influence, you know, some people in, in a bad way. And, you know, I think uh, being a teacher as well for 14 years, I think I learned a lot about that, that as well. Um, you know, I, I probably took, you know, it probably took me seven or eight years to realize that, you know, just being sarcastic to kids, that was kind of my way of trying to get kids to shape up sometimes uh, probably wasn't helpful to a lot of those kids. Um, and then, you know, most of the kids that you kind of do that to are probably the kids who are, you know, acting out for a reason. And, you know, the, the better thing to do, I figured out eventually, unfortunately it took me a while, but is to get to know that kid and understand why this is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, kids by nature, I don't think want to behave in, a, in an inappropriate fashion or want to act out. There's usually something that's spurring them to do that. And so, um, you know, as, as coaches, you know, it, it, it's hard to just be a coach, especially when most, you know, most coaches at the youth level are volunteers, their dads, they're doing 10 million other things, but like, it's amazing if you just spend a little bit extra time getting to know the kids, how big an influence you can have on them. Mm-hmm. Um, and coaching the team I do right now for my 13 year son is like, you know, I try to give as much effort to the kids who are the best players as the kids who don't play much. Mm-hmm. Um, and really try to create value with them all the time. Cause I've seen what happens when you don't create value. Um, and I've had coaches who are the, you know, the yellers and the screamers, and they think that really is helpful for you. For me, that never worked. Um, mm-hmm. And so as a coach, I've never tried to be that guy. Um, some people can handle it. Some people can't. Um, and so really kind of understanding, you know, who the kids are and what they need and really understanding also that my career is over. You know, I got a chance to play. I'm, I'm over. I'm past that. Now it's my opportunity to create an environment for our, for our kids. And so, um, you know, I've had influences that were not helpful for me uh, in a negative sense, but I've also had some good ones. And so, I'm trying to make sure that I don't repeat the mistakes that I've seen and have happened to me and try to re- repeat the ones that were positive in nature. So it's a tough task, but it's uh, it's definitely an important one. Well, and I think that's really important when you talk about getting to know your kid to learn how to coach them, right? And and I, w- I had a group one time that half of them wanted me to yell at them and the other ones probably would have cried if I yelled at them. And the ones that want me to yell at them never wanted me to say, I'm so disappointed. They're like, cause that's like the lowest blow you can throw at me. I go, guys, I I warn you when I recruit you that I'm not a yeller, you know, so you're going to have to adjust to it. But, you know, at the beginning of the year, I even wrote down like on our first uh, um, like team event, I said, how do you want me to coach you? And they were like, what? I go, do you want me to yell at you? Do you want me to, you know, all this stuff? And I had kids that literally said, I need you to yell at me. So I mentally had to keep a memory of like, okay, I'm talking to so-and-so, I need to yell at you right now. But it's important to know what makes that kid tick and also what's going on in their lives. Because you might have a kid that shows up and acts like he doesn't care, but maybe his parents are getting a divorce, right? You know, I had a kid that I almost kicked off my team. Turns out that her shoulder was totally destroyed and I was the new coach and she didn't want to look weak in front of me. Turned out to be one of my best players and one of my best leaders. But if I wouldn't have had that conversation, I would have lost out on one of the best kids in my program, right? So we kind of talked about things that have gone you know, wrong and how you can take those experiences and, and try to um, reframe them so you can impact your kids in a positive way. What are things that have been great that you've been through with coaches, whether it be you know, the X's and O's or whether it be just relationships that you now incorporate into your program? I think some of the best lessons I learned, especially as a, you know, growing up in, in junior high, high school, those kind of things, the coaches I appreciated the most were the coaches that were willing to put the time into you. You know, they might have been hard on me. And, I, and again, I could I could handle that for the most part. But, you know, if they were going to be hard on me, they were going to make sure that, it, you know, they, they stuck with it. It wasn't like, you know, they yelled at me and then just kind of were done with me. Um, you know, and I've seen that happen, too. Um, you know, and I, I think that's a that's a, a tough slope to kind of get into as a coach. You know, you want to you want to really challenge people. And I still face it at the college level. You know, I talk to guys about like, hey, if you really want to be a top level team, I'm going to have to coach you harder. And then when I coach them harder, like they, they can't handle that accountability piece. And so. Uh, you know, trying to find, like you said, that 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 positive spot is really important. 
Um, you know, and to be honest with you, I was surrounded by a lot of negativity when I was younger and probably my mindset was, you know, like, Hey, I'm going to expect the worst. And then everything else is going to be a surprise. That was my, my mindset for a long time, which is not a good mindset to have. Um, and then, you know, luckily I met somebody, uh, a guy named Randy Rutschman. I, I know, you know, a little bit of Randy and obviously his son Adley is a, is a pretty well-known guy around here, but you know, Randy, uh, I met him after my junior year in college. I thought I was going to get drafted. I didn't. So I was in a really bad funk and, uh, I met him one day. He was uh, coaching the team that I was going to play for that summer. And he was a 42 year old guy running around going crazy, coaching this, riding the lineup, catching me in the bullpen. And like just the positive energy was unbelievable. And, and I remember sitting there with another guy who was my age and, and I didn't really know Rushman very well. And he did cause he had gone to the same high school that he worked at. And he said, uh, and he was like, Oh man, that, that guy is just amazing. And I was like, man, you know, I was like, how does he have that energy? You know, he's 42 years old. Like, you know, I'm 45 now and I don't have that energy. And, <laughs> And, and the kid looked at me and he said, he goes, he goes, you know what? He goes, for Rutch, every day is the best day of his life. And that, that really changed me that day. Um, and, and like, I'm not always Mr. Positive, don't get me wrong. Um, but I, I just kind of realized the, the power of positivity and what you can really do for kids and, uh, and people in general, it doesn't have to be that. Like it could be a, you know, a, a smile at the person at McDonald's, you know, like maybe they're not having a good day. You just say thank you. And those kind of things, just that positive nature really can help. And you know, I was very fortunate to have, you know, somebody like Rutch in my life and, and other people as well uh, who had, had shown me that, you know, hey, okay, it, like adversity is going to happen. And I think right now, especially like uh, you talked about the, the little guy who was scared of the baseball. I, I think a lot of kids are being so withheld and so captive to fear. Mm-hmm. You know, they uh, uh, we have a lot of parents who want to insulate their kids, uh, you know, from the fear and failure and those kind of things. And and so helping kids get past that that point of taking a risk mm-hmm. um, is huge. And it has to be in a positive nature. You know, if you're a negative guy you're probably not going to inspire somebody to, to get them to go and, and take that risk that they're not taking right now. So like teaching them that, Hey, it's okay to fail. It's okay to fail. I'm going to be here to support you in that. We try to talk to our guys about that all the time. You know, we want them to fail because that's how they're going to learn to not make those mistakes in the future, but also get past it when it happens in the game, especially the game of baseball where, you know, like I said, you, you fail, you, know, you fail all the time, you know, yeah, and, and you have to be able to get past those things. And so, um, you know, being a positive coach is, is super important to that. And again, I, I'm not perfect at that all the time, but, it's something I try to make sure that our guys are comfortable, like understanding, like, Hey, we're not going to get mad if you make mistakes, especially in practice, that's the right time to do it. Um, but I think a lot of coaches, you know, that they, they take, um, you know, the wins and losses and the performance of their team personally, like it's a reflection on them and you have to get over that. You know, you have to make it not about yourself. You have to make it about the kids. And if they make mistakes, so what, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're there to help them get through that. And maybe you should be a little better coach, you know, so they don't make those mistakes. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where I'm at with that. Well, and I think that's one of the things I say probably almost daily about how um, we, as, hu- as I don't know if it's just Americans or as humans, that we are so obsessed with being comfortable. We don't want to get out of our comfort zone and we do anything we can to not have to struggle. And I, I've been talking to um, some athletes about like the short term pain. And sometimes you just have to get through the short term pain for the, you know, the success that you want. And so many kids, especially younger kids and probably the generation that you're coaching, don't want to have to go through that short term pain. And I, I know you and me growing up, there was short term pain all the time. Like I think about, you know, trying to chase dad out in the woods or like, you know, being on the side of a mountain with dad and it's freezing cold and raining. Like there was always short term pain for stuff, but we learn how to, we learn how to push through. And I think that's so important for, for young athletes to do that. And, you know, like you say, standing by your athletes that, Hey, this could be the, the worst game and you could give up the, the game winning home run, but I'm still going to stand by you the next day. Cause not very many people are true and loyal to people anymore. And to have a coach do that is one of the best gifts we can give our student athletes by far. Um, yeah, I would say to add to that, I think you, you have to make sure your players understand, like I said, that your value is not dictated by the scoreboard. And, 
you know, if your performance is terrible and like my son, you know, or my daughter will have bad performances sometimes, but you know, that doesn't measure who they are. Their character measures who they are. And that's how I just judge them on whether I'm, you know, going to respect those people or not. And so, you know, if you can get to that, that's something they can control every day. Lots of times in, in baseball or any sport, you can't control the outcome all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can only do so much, but you can always control your character and how you respond to those things. And so that's the lesson that they really need to learn. You know, and like I said, I, I look at myself like a life coach who uses baseball and, and in baseball, there's a lot of failure. And so we learn a lot about failure and, and how we can handle that in life. Cause that's going to happen, especially with like COVID times. Like it feels like something crazy is happening every day. Right. You feel like it's, it's kind of smoothing out and then something else happens in you know, you can either be overwhelmed by it or you can battle through it. We talk about, you know, seeing traffic jams all the time. And especially nowadays with, a, you know, a traffic app, you can see there's a traffic jam coming and lots of people still drive into it and then they're frustrated. But you could have found a detour around it. And so we always talk to our guys about, hey, let's find a detour around this. And we may get delayed in getting to our destination, but at least we're going to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's another important factor as well. You know, the failure component in sports you know, I, I try to learn about as many different sports as possible since I work with so many different athletes and I was sitting with the, uh, the head volleyball coach at College of Idaho. I go, Liz, I don't understand stats. Can you please exta- explain volleyball stats? She goes, well, they're kind of like softball. And I go, oh, so you guys just get used to sucking too. And she goes, yes, we fail a lot, right? But, you know, one of the best messages I ever heard was from my buddy Scott Santala and he, we were talking about failure. And he goes, failure is what everybody has in common with baseball and softball, right? Because everybody fails all the time. It's a great unifier. And I always thought, I never thought about it that way. And I'm like, it is. It's the one thing that we all have in common. We all strike out. We all, you know, do those things. And so we can actually use failure as something to connect us or something to split us apart, right? As, as athletes. And most of them, we use it as, to split us apart because we lose and go, well, it's so, you know, why are we losing all these things instead of, okay, you know what? <laughs> we all are a piece of this. How do we fix that and, and, and improve for the next day, right? Um, sure. I, I would say, you know, my, my professional career, my dream that I've had my entire life ended because I couldn't handle the failure in the end. You know, uh, I was not pitching up to my ability. And there are many times I called my now wife and after a game when I would suck and like, you know, almost in tears and just like, you know, wanted to, wanted to give up on it. Um, and it really, in the end, that's kind of what, I mean, anyway, you know, in the end, they kind of got rid of me. So that helped me. Uh, it was probably the best thing they're having me because I got to move on to coaching where I think I was meant to be, but uh, yeah, you, you know, you think about somebody who had wanted something for so long and the failure, just something I couldn't happen. And like I said, you can use it in a positive way. Or you can use it in a negative way. Mm-hmm. Um, but you need somebody to help you probably get through that. It's tough to do on your own. It absolutely is. And I think that is one of the most important things that coaches can give, you know, uh, a- athletics and, and the coaching mindset has gotten so um, outcome focused, right? You know, what trophies are you are you carrying, especially like right now that spring trophies are, are, are coming out and spring seasons and World Series are, are right around the corner and, and, and national championships. And so we all chase that that trophy. And the thing is, that trophy means a lot for about a week. And then it's everything else that created that and and what you take with you like you said you know you were telling me you have all these seniors it's what they take out into life instead of that trophy i mean my trophies yeah they're in my garage like they're on a shelf but you know i see those you know see those when i go in the garage but i i I value the relationships and and the experiences i've had with the people not you know the plastic and wood that is sitting on a shelf in my garage right so i mean you've had you've had people and and you talked about rushman because i know that he's a huge influence in your life even even to now and I think now that we're in our 40s, we can really look at the coaches and say, whoa, you know, we're uh, middle aged now and you are still speaking into my life every day. Um, so who, who are people that you think are, have truly laid out so much of who you are now, um, you know, as not just as a coach, but as a husband, as as a parent, as just a person, you know, who who has been that and what are the lessons that you're like, uh, that is part of my every day? 
Well, I'd be uh, I'd be a, a bad son if I didn't start out with my father. You know, uh, our dad. Uh, you know, I, I don't I don't know if if our dad uh, was the best baseball mind in the world. I don't know if he like was a baseball savant by any means or in any sport. Like you think back to like when he coached us in soccer and. You know, we started out, uh, he coached us all through grade school and we started out as a terrible team in kindergarten and he would just read books and do all this stuff and continue to stay with it and stay with it and, and, and teach himself. And that was a great example for me. It's like, Hey, if I didn't know something, I'm going to learn it so I can, you know, really put it in there. And by the time we got done, we were killing teams as sixth graders. Um, you know, and everybody was talking to him about him as the soccer guru. So, um, but more than anything else, just, just the effort that he put into things, uh, the time that he put into things and, you know, we had a lot of failure early on in that kind of stuff. Uh, he coached me in baseball and we had some failure. And um, there was always that um, that willingness to continue to show up every day, continue to show up every day, regardless of how the result was. And, you know, I'm sure he was frustrated about when things lost too. He was a competitive guy, still is. And um, I think that really drove me. I think that that competitive nature drove me. Um, and I, I think as a father now, I'm trying to get that to my kids to understand, not just to compete, to beat other people, to be the best, be the best that you can be. And that's really what we want of our players and of our, of my own kids. And so, um, you know, uh, and I think the work ethic, uh, definitely for him is, you know, that's our number one pillar of our program is that work everybody. Um, and I don't really know. I mean, I'm sure. Nobody works harder than her dad. Yeah. I, I didn't, I, I didn't, you know, I mean, the guy was up at four in the morning crawling through the worst vegetation you've seen in the woods. And then you come home and always play with us, even though he was super tired. And I know how the hard that is now as a dad. And like, it makes me like, wow, man, this guy was pretty exceptional. Um, and, uh, we were pretty lucky to have, uh, have him as a, as a role model for us to, to teach us how to work, um, and, you know, and be humble. I think that's another thing that he's really yes. taught me. That's probably one of my big, uh, core pillars is humility. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not about you. Um, you know, you want to be the best you can be, but if you're not helping other people and trying to do things for other people, then you're really wasting your time. And so, you know, I've kind of, I've kind of looked at the meaning of life based off what he's done is, you know, you're trying to help other people on their journey trying to figure out things, you know, I think some people are meant to try to be figuring things out. And I think some people are trying to be there to help them figure those things out. Not that I have all the answers. I'm still trying to work on myself, of course, but you know, I, I think he's probably the biggest role model in my life. And, you know, I obviously Rutch is a big one for me. Um, you know, I think uh, uh, I had a, another great opportunity to, to play for Dave Wong uh, at Willamette university. And, you know, and Dave taught me a ton about the game. Uh, he taught me a lot about, like letting people be people and not trying to overcoach people. I think that's going to happen a lot too. Yes, Everyone wants to be in control, wants to be in control and do everything. And especially the college level, most of my guys have a pretty good sense of things. And I'm really trying to steer them and give them more feedback than anything else. Um, you know, and I, and I think the other person who probably had the biggest influence on me as a coach uh, is Pat Bailey, who obviously, you know, through FCA and, yeah. you know, I, I never played for Pat. I never worked for Pat. I played against him. Uh, I coached against him, but um, I think he has taught me more about, the game and developing great young men uh, than anybody else um, and really helped steer my purpose and what I'm doing. Um, and, and so I have a, a lot of uh, appreciation for all those people. There's been other people as well. I, I would hate to miss anybody, but those are probably the biggest influences that I've had. You know, it's, it's funny looking back and, and now being a parent and I always think of, of dad, he would hit, he would hit balls forever until we, we said we're done. And for you and I, I know that was a long time. Uh, I mean, he, he built, you know, freaking backstops and, and fields and, um, field goals. And he was willing to do whatever. And it was funny because I always think like, he told me when I was 14, he goes, you know more about softball than I do. So I, I'm not going to try and keep coaching you. I'm just, and, and he, and he was my biggest fan. And, and I always yeah. joke with him now, I'm like, man, dad, I used to hit balls at you all the time. Like, I'm sorry that, you know, cause now I'm the one getting hit by my kid. Yeah. And, uh, and I think it was that quiet, um, 
we're, we're, I'm here for you every day and I'm going to work hard every day. Um, I know for me, it's funny. I was sitting with my old summer ball coach who I hadn't seen in, in probably almost 20 years. And I was down at the duck game with him with, uh, with Kim Manning, so my assistant and pretty much my my biggest role model as a student athlete, and and Lance McDonald and I was sitting there thinking I have really modeled so much of my coaching life after him, and so much of it was I mean yes we're both th- therapists which is just ironic, but yeah. for him it was the genuine connectedness that he had to all of his athletes and just how he would look at you like you were the most important person in his life when he talked to you and he was uh the master of team and family and is the same thing and it always comes first right and I, people used to tease me and say you're so lance i'm like thank you i will take that because <laughs> at the end of the day i want a 40 some year old showing up at my door saying you want to go see the ducks you know you want to go to with me um and i know for other one uh is probably mary Kay amicone punk but she was the person that was always working the hardest and never needed credit she was not the All-American. She was the one that would grind. And she also was all about how do we build great women. So it's kind of how Pat Bailey was for you. Um, and e- even now uh, that I am not even coaching, I know I can always be like, okay, how do you do this? And she will always be there. And she never needed credit for things. She was she was always like, I'm here to surf. And that is uh, one of the, the best role models. So if you are, I mean, you've been through this. Uh, we've all been through this uh, about coaching our young ones. If you could say the best things that you could do, if, if you have a, a dad or a mom going to coach youth soccer or softball or YMCA basketball, what are some of the things that you would say to them that are the best things they can put out there to give a great experience and impact kids? Yeah, I think it depends on the level, but I think, you know, obviously at the younger level, uh, number one is uh, understand what the purpose is. It's not as an eight-year-old to win games. I mean, that's great. And if you do things right as a coach, you're probably going to have a chance to do that just because if you're organized and can get kids to follow along, then you probably can beat the other teams that won't be. Um, but just understanding it's supposed to be about fun. Like you want to foster a love for the game so kids want to continue. We're seeing that in baseball all the time, uh, that kids, you know, when they get to be like 13, they're not loving it anymore. They you know? burn out. They don't handle the failure. And they, and they start to see the better players start to play a little bit more, which is typical of high school. And that's the way it goes. But I think those kids burn out, but I think also some kids start to realize that maybe this isn't that fun anymore. And I was doing it for mom and dad. And so you want to create a foster love. And a lot of coaches I'd love to hear, they say, my goal is to make sure they come back and play next year. Um, And that's, and that's a good thing at the youth level. And so definitely making sure that it's a fun environment um, and make sure that it's, there's some organization to it. Uh, Kids will, they're not stupid. I mean, my 13 year old talks about all the time. Like if you're not organized and practice is kind of a, 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 you know, a bunch of cats running around then he's not going to have fun. You know, he wants to have some organization. He wants to play some games. He wants to do those things. It's not hard to organize some things. Uh, I would also say if you, if you haven't coached a ton, make it simple. Right? We don't have to be like 16 different drills. Like just do a couple things, but, but make it fun. Make it move, move fast. Make it have as many reps as possible. Try to recruit other parents to help you out. They don't have to have any knowledge either, like especially in baseball. Like, you know, hey, can you roll a ground ball? Can you can you, uh, can you like throw front a, toss? You know, <laughs> can you flip a ball underhand or put a ball on a tee? Like that's all they really need. Yeah, you know, and you can teach them just a couple different things. Like we don't have to make it super intricate. So, mm. I think organization is good, but again, just, just making sure it's a fun environment. Um, if you're coaching your own kids, I think that's a little bit different story. I mean, obviously, I, I've struggled with that. We, you know, my kids, uh, they're 13 to 15, but I think for the last three years, they've kind of been in that teenager, like I'm an idiot mode, and so. Um, even though I do it for a living and I used to play professionally, but, um, but just really kind of not putting the pressure on them. You know, obviously my son 
you know, being a former baseball player myself, professional and, and coaching now, like there's going to be pressure on him already because of who I am. And so I try not to make that important to him. I try not to make that um, relevant to him. Uh, I just want him to go out and play. Um, and there's times where I'd like to be like, dude, come on. Um, but I try to be supportive and I try to find times like after games to maybe talk about those things. Usually he kind of analyzes this stuff and, 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 and we can kind of talk about those things, but try not to do it right after, yeah. you know, those not are the times the, where he's not on the car right yeah, home. Yeah. Never he on the car right home. Listen to you. doesn't want to listen to you. And so, and that's usually what happens. You know, I sit and watch it like his, um, you know, his, his friends will have parents talking to him during the game, their kids, or they pull him aside between games and they're telling him all these things like, and just let him play. Yeah. You know, like they have good coaches and not everybody has great coaches again that know what they're doing. But um, if you are constantly as a parent talking to your kids during games and they're probably not going to listen to the coach, they're only going to hear your voice. Like I love our dad, uh, amazing guy, but the only voice I ever heard at the game was his. I would hear him say throw hard and even in college, I'd hear him say throw hard all the time. Not that it was a negative thing, but that was the only voice I ever heard. Um, and so I know the kids are the exact same way. And I, and I see so many kids, playing games, basketball, baseball, whatever it is. And like after every rep, they're looking in the stands to see if it's okay, seeing if it's okay. And, and those kids are probably never going to be uh, able to receive the, you know, the uh, acknowledgement that they need. They're never going to please mom and dad enough. And so you can just make sure it's clear as a coach, but also as a parent that, you know, Hey, it's about going out there and having fun. And I love to watch you play. And that's what I try to tell my son all the time. Hey, I'm proud of you. I don't care if you suck today. Like, you know, you did some good things, find some good things they did. Yeah. You know, if you can create that mindset, then they're going to have positive energy. You shouldn't lie to them and say like, Hey, you were awesome. If you were, they were not good, but you don't have to break them down either. You know, you're building self-esteem, you're building self-esteem, especially through their teenage years. Mm -hmm. You know, when they go into puberty and all that kind of stuff, there are so many questions going on in their head already that you really need to help give them some confidence because mm -hmm. confidence is a big thing that we're struggling with right now amongst our kids. And I see it even at the college level, you know, kids still kind of look at me like all the time, like they have to have approval. And I'm like, man, what, we're doing something wrong here. We, we got to find a way to get these kids more confident and believing in themselves. And so, um, you know, th those are things I think that are really important, you know, make it fun, be organized uh, and, and don't take it too seriously. It's not the end of the world. If you do not win a game at a 10 year old, 10 year old level. Well, I would say um, there's never been a kid that won the, the little league world series that's played professional, not one. And I always think, so if that's the highlight yeah, of there, there has been, Oh, I thought there hasn't. Maybe that's an old stat. I got to get, I get there's updated. Been, there's been a lot. There's been a lot of them to have. Yeah. But okay. maybe that, well, the thing is, is a lot of kids that start, like I think about, you know, I was joking with, uh, I have a, a kid that's, uh, it's pretty short and he gets teased a little bit. And I said, dude, don't worry about it. I said, my 13 year old all-star coach told me I threw it like a girl. I go, his daughter never played past that year. And I went to a D1 school. I said, so don't let anybody tell you that you're limited. And he just kind of looked at me like, you know, kind of puffed up. I go, so when you're signing your contract, you can be like, who's short now, buddy? You know? But it is one of those things I think with parents too, it's, it's like, you know, they're thinking about so many things and to keep putting more information during a game, games are not time for more information, right? It's actually trust the information you have and go play, you know, with Alex, my, you know, my youngest, he, he gets nervous sometimes. I go, buddy, Stanford is not in the stands. Let's just go have a good time and make some friends, you know? And like yesterday I was laughing because it's like the, his last at bat. He's at 30. He goes, mom, I just need some chili cheese nachos. Like, and I love that. That's what he's, ha you know, I'm like, well, you have to talk to your dad. You're going home with him. You know, we take it serious because I want him to work hard and try hard. But at the end of the day, I'm just glad he's having fun. And he wants nachos after the game because that's what every 10 year old kid wants. Right. Um, sure. And, th and when they get to the high school level, then it's going to be serious. And then, you know, then, th then it's like, hey, guys get cut. Um, you know, and you have to perform to play, you know, yeah. and that's understandable, but let's make it as enjoyable as possible until they get there, you know, yeah. and, and I've always heard the, the analogy like, hey, do you want, you know, most kids have like, you know, seven to 10 years of really their prime 
Mm-hmm. Do you want their prime to be when they're like seven to 14? I would not. I'd rather have Ooh. them be a little bit later in their life. Um, and you see that all the time. Like, you know, there's some kids who just absolutely dominate youth sports because they're bigger usually. And then those kids get passed up a lot. So mm-hmm. just encouraging kids to continue to go like the smaller kid on your team, mm-hmm. you know, just encourage them to, to continue to get after it because you never know what's going to happen. And I think another thing that coaches have to realize is that you're always modeling, you know, how to behave properly. Uh, kids are puppets, you know, and I didn't realize this until I was a parent myself that they are going to puppet the way that they see you behave. And so if you're all over umpires all the time, then they're going to have that negative impact too. And they're going to blame umpires when they shouldn't. And so if you can really steer that, like for me, I, I, I I barely ever say anything to umpires. I don't want my kids to have that as an excuse. Mm -hmm. Um, And so just understanding that your behavior is going to dictate number one, kind of how they respond to things. And then eventually how they carry themselves forward moving on. Um, So you want to be that positive role model for them definitely down the road. Well, I also think uh, what you said about, um, you know, Colby's always going to have more uh, focus on him for because what you do for a living. And Grace went through the same thing. And I told her, I go, Grace, I don't care if you play softball. I don't have higher expectations. Um, And it was funny. After she stopped playing softball, she kind of realized that. And um, she goes, Mom, I I did put too much pressure on myself because of who you are. I go, Honey, I've done my thing. I don't don't care if you play softball ever. To be honest, I'm delirious she doesn't. But, you know... uh, I, I remember watching Little League with you going to watch our nephew or something. And you and I just sat there quietly because <laughs> I'm like, our, our day is over. And the other thing is people always say, are you upset that Grace isn't a softball player? I'm like, no, I love that she's passionate about something. That's always what I wanted. And it's not softball. Fine. You know, but as I say, we want as parents, we want our kids to be passionate about something and love something. I always wanted uh, my kids to love something as much as you and I loved our sport. And, um, I, you know, I, I feel I, uh, I mean, no, you and I were both borderline crazy about our sport. Grace is borderline crazy about theater, but you know, that's what we want for our kids. We want them to love and be passionate about whatever they choose, they choose to pursue. So Matt, thank you for this time. As I say, you know, we, it's, it's interesting talking to somebody that shares our, our history and, and has, has so much of this, the same understanding of what we wanted to be as models, but it's also great to put this out to, to coaches, to give guidance and also help them understand, um, as I say, the responsibility, but also the blessing we have of being such a big impact. And it's also fun kind of uh, reminiscing about our coaches and, and the great experiences we ha- have had through our sport. So I appreciate your time. Um, I know that this is going to get busy for you and you're going to get on the road with recruiting. I would say end of May and June is when we reflect on you know, all the stuff of the season and we're just desperate to get on the road so we can kind of start, start focusing on the next season. 